It is a privilege for me to be back here. I was on a visitation, which is provincial visitation of our, one of our formation houses, and to be with the young, especially towards the end of the, the semester and at the end of school year. Uh, it was just an extraordinary experience for me to share th their faith, walk the journey, to address some of those most important elements of their formation, to focus on, on the life of Christ in them, to focus on their preparation for ministry, for priesthood. It was just a beautiful experience. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to God for all of you who have been assisting us, praying for us, that we're able to do this work, preparing the young for the future ministry, preparing the young for future witness in this world today. We continue with the Acts of the Apostles. Today, we see that St. Paul went to Jerusalem, and after he was giving incredible witness, uh, obviously, those who were against him created all kinds of great riot, and, and then so the authorities get involved. And so what we have here is commander of the Roman you know, uh, units of, of military wishing to determine the truth about why Paul was being accused by the Jews. The commander freed him and ordered the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin to convene. So he's the one who takes the initiative, wants to find out what, what, what's going on here, what's going on. So then he brought Paul down and made him stand before them. Now, it is interesting how St. Paul realized that members of the Sanhedrin were both Sadducees and Pharisees. And so he called out before the Sanhedrin and then he gave witness to the resurrection. But he gave witness to the resurrection as a Pharisee because he was Pharisee, um, and, but, but he wished to convey this truth that there is resurrection. And here is kind of interesting that he would use that expression. He understood that, that because the, uh, the Sadducees and, and Pharisees, uh, the two wings of, of the Judaism at that moment and their interpretation, uh, he uh, wanted to underscore, you know, that the, uh, the Sanhedrin itself is, is divided. I am on trial for hope, he says. I'm in trial for hope in the resurrection of the dead. I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. So when he said there's a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees and the group became divided, for the Sadducees say there's no resurrection or angels or spirits, while the Pharisees acknowledge all three. Okay, so we have here St. Paul using knowledge and, you know, in a sense to both defend himself from, from the attack, but above all, to lead the people give witness to the resurrection, which he knows, and he experienced the, 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 the revelation of Jesus who rose from the dead, who has manifested himself to him, and, 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 and the apostolic witness to the resurrection. Now, uh, the, the, so all of a sudden, this, the Pharisee party stood up and wanted to defend him. We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or angel has spoken to him. And so the dispute was so serious that the commander, afraid of Paul, that he would be actually torn to pieces by them, ordered the troops to go down and rescue Paul from their midst and take him 
into the compound. Now, but during the night, the Lord spoke to Jesus, to St. Paul, and he says, take courage. Just as you have borne witness to me and to this whole mission in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness in Rome. And, and we know that this is a way, some in a way that God's providence was leading him. As you know, throughout the whole Acts of the Apostles, as we see his missionary journeys, his whole experience, everything that took place in such a powerful way, it was a witness to God's providential love, providential care, but also providential guidance of Paul. So here he is, went to Rome. Of course, this is the, the environment which takes place. And then uh, the Lord already has, has given him insights that you will have to give witness to me in Rome. And then we know that, you know, St. Paul was ultimately led since he appealed to Caesar. So he was taken to Rome uh, and, 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 and there for two years, he was able to minister to witness to the truth. Okay, so you see how, how, how important it is if for St. Paul, but also for each one of us, that, that we allow ourselves to be guided by God in order to bring the truth of salvation, the greatest good that we can ever attain. You know, we have many things. Yes, we wish to have, you know, a nice home. We wish to have, you know, resources to live on. We wish to have our children and, and get them educated and so they have future life. All those things are wonderful gifts and goods. But the greatest good is that which goes beyond the grave. The greatest good is that which begins when we end this life and, and, and we are with God. For St. Paul, is so clear. For me, life is Christ, okay? So anything, this human gain is actually worthless. For Paul, he was so clear. He was just so focused on, on the Lord Jesus because he knows that in Jesus we have life, we have the truth, we, we have the way, the path by which leads us to eternal happiness. So it's very, very clear. For the second aspect today, and it's a beautiful witness for us in that Gospel of John, beautiful witness of a dialogue between Jesus, the Son of God with the Father. It is known as the high priestly prayer for us on our behalf. So we have at the end of the supper, you know, the last supper, uh, Jesus opens his heart completely to us and, and he shares with the disciples what is the greatest, that which he could give to us for, for, for all eternity. Today, we are the receivers of that beautiful dialogue of, of Jesus with his disciples before he died, but also we hear and witness to the prayer that Jesus offered is the communion between the Son and the Father. And we are witnesses to that dialogue of love, dialogue of union, dialogue of, of intercession. And, and, and it is here, it is so beautiful to hear Jesus praying for us, lifting up his eyes to heaven. Jesus prayed saying, I pray not only for these, the 12 who are there, but also for those who will believe in me through, the, through their word, which means we hear Jesus praying for us because we are the ones who receive the gospel through them. We're the ones who are the beneficiaries of their witness. And so Jesus 
prays to the Father, not only for them, but also for those who will believe. How grateful we are to, to our Lord Jesus, how he remembers us, and then he prays for us. And for, for, for us, it's not just a momentary prayer, it's the continuous intercession of our Lord Jesus for us who have come to believe through the apostolic witness. And so we are, but not only that we will believe, but also that we may all be one. The unity of Christians, the unity of Christians that goes beyond denominations, the unity that is born out of that love that Jesus has for us. It is a unity which is forged and given to us and, and made possible through the Holy Spirit. It is the unity that comes from partaking and participating in Eucharist is the Holy Communion, the Holy Communion, the very presence of Jesus who makes possible this communion is oneness, oneness that God, in, in God the Father, uh, as he sent his son, wished, to, wished us to have. And so again, it's not only to pray that they may believe, but that they may be one. And as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that they may be united, they may be in us. Uh, you know, this is a great mystery. It's so hard for us to fully grasp you. We get little glimpses of understanding. Our hearts delight in knowing that God is in us, the Father is in us, the Holy Trinity is in us. There's a whole theology called indwelling of the Holy Trinity in us. This whole theology, beautiful theology of, of realizing that God is in us. Sometimes people say, well, God is out there. I'm not God's favorite. I'm not this, I, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. In many ways, it is all true. And yet, in Jesus, whose mercy, love and mercy itself, that love and mercy is personal, comes into us. And Jesus brings us into the, into the living presence of, of the Trinity, Holy Trinity. We live in God, in the Trinitarian God. And he is in us the, for those who believe in him, for those who accept him come God, God, the Trinitarian God, God of Triune God comes to us. What a mystery, what a powerful gift that we have and, and we don't fully appreciate because we don't fully understand or even if we give, we receive this momentary enlightenment and we understand this, then all the things of, of, of each day, the problems of each day, they seem to take it away from us and they refuse back again. We're alone, we feel like, you know, where are you, Lord? Where are you? I don't feel your presence. And yet it is this gift. And not only the Lord promises that he will give us this gift of the indwelling of the Holy Trinity, but also I and I have given them the glory you gave me, the divinizing power, the divinity, the, 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 the whole, reality of God is given to us because that's what glory is, the true light, the presence, the glow of love, the glow of his, of his tender care for us, you know, transforming power that makes us more and more like, like our Lord Jesus. And so why does he give that to us so that, that, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. That means the power to be in, into, in the communion with God. What a mystery it is because it is by his mercy, because we do not deserve this by nature. Nature, our nature as creatures, we, are, we do not possess, you know, the, the, to, to be God, but only by being invited by God to share in his glory. 
you know, that what, what an incredible mystery. And also because we were sinners, we were broken. It is that, that precious blood of Christ, the redeeming blood, the, the great mercy that he has for us, this merciful love that enables us to be with him, to be part of, of the divinizing gift of God. And not only that, but he says to the glory, so that they may also be to perfection. Perfection is one, which means that the, the Lord is, is forging the unity among all the believers. It's forging, and yet, you know, there's all kinds of things that sometimes we will put blocks and, and roadblocks to that unity. But God, nonetheless, is calling us. When Vatican II spoke of, of this ecumenical, you know, movement towards unity, Vatican spoke precisely of this, that it was Jesus' desire, his prayer for us, his prayer. It's not that we wish to do something. No, it's the Lord Jesus wants us. And so we have the great responsibility to try to overcome that which divides us and not by eliminating or, or you know, uh, going to the lowest common denominators, as St. John Paul II would say, no, we enrich each other with the richness, the fullness of, of the riches. So sharing our faith in its full richness is the only way that we can attain that fullness of unity, not eliminating, you know, uh, and trying to, to see what, what is the absolute minimum to, to, to enter into this, this, this communion of love, but, but actually the richness which the Father has given to us. And of course, we have an incredibly rich gifts in our church. We have the seven sacraments. We have, we have the, uh, you know, the both the, the, the variety of spiritualities, you know, which, which enable us to, to enter a deeper, deeper communion. We have, not only we have uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, but also the guidance of a church, the deeper understanding of what it means to follow these commandments, not only the negative aspect, but the positive aspect of, of each commandment because it is not only that we shall not have, you know, uh, you know uh, other gods before, you, before us, but that we may believe in him, that we may trust in him, that we rely on him, because that's, that's what ultimate it is. You know, it's for every, every commandment, we have that positive dimension, because it is the love that the Father wishes that we would possess. And then the Lord says, continues, Father, Father, all those who, who, whom you have given to me, because you, they're your gift to me, and I wish that where I am, they also may be, that they may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me, because before the foundation of the world, Jesus wants us as a son of God, wants us to have us with him, to share that, that paradise, because ultimately that's what it is to be with God, is to be in paradise, to be with God is pure love. And, and we, we long to be loved, we long to be accepted, we long to, to be so close and to be understood. And Jesus says, yes, I understand you. I understand everything about you. I understand your brokenness, but I have given you the gift of merciful love to restore, to heal, to strengthen until you are with me and you share the joy of the div div divinizing love that God the Father has entrusted to me and I share with you. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. You know, there's, a, there's always in St. John's Gospel, and when Jesus speaks of the world, yes, it is the world that, is opposed, that opposes to his mission, opposes his mission, opposes his grace. 
is those who, who, who do not want to uh, accept. They have closed their hearts, or maybe because by the activity, the sinful life, they seem to have separated himself, themselves from, from the love that Christ has. But, but we have to always remember that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God so loved the world. He does not eliminate anyone. He does not remove anything, anyone, because he wants us to be with him. I have ma I made known to them your name, and I will make known that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them, that love that the Father has for the Son may also be experienced within us. I know that Jesus is a beautiful reflection, beautiful theology, but for us, how grateful we have to be, how grateful we have to be for this love that God gives us, how grateful we, we have to be for his mercy and, and love. You know, there's no other way, there's no other way but, but through gratitude, through humble acceptance, through joy within our hearts that this is how much God loves me, this is how much he loves my family, this is how much he loves this world. Broken, yes, but he knows, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And this is what the Lord Jesus keep, keeps interceding for us because he is one of us. He's God and man. God, fully human, fully divine and fully human. You know, and he is, and he shares our, our very, very nature. Yes, without sin, and yet he shares our nature. He's our brother, and he's God, and he's the son of God. You know, when we, when we think of these things, it's so hard for us to fully grasp, but there's a joy in knowing that we're loved and we'll be loved till the very end and that we'll be forgiven and that we'll be prepared to receive that, that, that whole glory, the glory of God, the, the divinizing love that God has for us. So maybe then today, as we continue with the sacred liturgy, where we have been in, in, imbued with a deeper sense and knowledge of who the Lord is, how much he loves us, and now he wants to give us himself. And the Eucharist is that gift, that gift of love, that gift of divinity, divinity entering our hearts sacramentally and, and for those who are not able to receive spiritually. That's why we have to long for him, Father, give us this love that through your son, we may be able to experience you, that we may experience your love for me, love for my family, that we may experience and know how much you care and that you, nothing stopped you from loving us, nothing, even allowing your son to die for us because you loved us so much, because we were unable to reach you, unable to enter into friendship and communion of love, because by sin we separate ourselves from you, by distrust, by, by the disordered passions, by everything that we have to experience. But you, in your mercy, has given me the cleansing gift of mercy, the purifying love, and that I will be one day with you, sharing in your glory. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast 
to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.